Dakota St. Clair, and I'm joined by the two best co-hosts in the whole world. It's Vince. I'm Daphne. I like that we're pretending we haven't been talking for 25 minutes. Like, <laughs> I can stand it. Over. It caught me off guard. I was like, over. Oh, oh, yeah, we have to do. You're not even doing like a transition. You're just doing a new intro. <laughs> no, because I'm going to copy and paste this before the conversation that we had. This is a real intro. it's funny if we just like confusedly forgot what we were doing no. and then had to start over. These fucking people are going to tune in for Hackensee and be like, what are these assholes and talking Daphne. about? Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, everybody, this is our episode on Hecate. It is basically the most, I would say, anticipated episode of this entire series. We're super excited. At be... least by us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, is there another demand? I don't know. The two fans that Vince has, I think they chimed in. Um, <laughs> so today we are talking Hecate, the Lightbringer, the Dark Goddess, the most lovely one, worker from afar, three-headed hound of the moon, the one before the gate, Hecate. Hell yeah. Fucking so cool. Yes. Like, holy shit. So, what is everyone's initial thoughts, impressions, and sort of notions walking into this? Just plays. There's. All right, this is bad. And this is not what I actually think of. It's just unfortunately Uh I have to say this so I can think of other thoughts, which is that uh, we were doing that and I was thinking about keys. And then that really shitty song by DJ Khaled in Future, where it's just like, I got the keys, but like, says that 18 times in a row. Yeah. <laughs> we have uh, talked previously about how the gods have adapted to modern times and i can't there it is you know like I, she got the keys the keys the keys right she got the keys mm-hmm. the keys the keys she got the keys <laughs> she's always on key you oh, know hmm. she might enjoy a key bump we don't know. Yeah, you never know. Of <laughs> what? I don't know. Mushrooms callback. I mean, she hangs out with like Dimeter and like the the horror sisters. So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put a bump. <laughs> They're definitely the chillest friend group. Like I want to hang out, but like not chill. Just if you like, mean, like awesome. chill of the grave. Then yes. Yeah, chill like both chilling, <laughs> like underground chilling. chill. Like, yeah, like, chill touch is notoriously like, not terrifying. cold damage. Like callback to our first episodes, the Dank House of Hades chill. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Dank House of Hades. Dank House of Hades. We still need t-shirts. Yeah, we do. DHH? Somebody else should make them though. We yeah. need DHH. We need DVD and we need VCR. VCR. VHS. Oh my god! I like that we're all of them now. We're just Eddie. We're Laserdisc. Laserdisc. Yeah. No one gets acronyms but us. We're taking them back. That's it. Acronyms are colonialism, and in order for us to decolonize <laughs> our brains, we have to steal acronyms. Why do you think we're the alphabet mafia? What What yeah, do you think this is? Exactly. We own all we're the letters. All of them. <laughs> letters are for gay people, so if you're using letters this Pride Month, you better you be gay. In this, gay, the month of our Lord June. In this, fucking up. <laughs> fucking up right? Not Everyone, in this satanic household. Letter, even in other, gay. even in other languages. Yeah. No All letters. letters. Cyrillic? Yeah. Snatched. Mine. Yeah. <laughs> Different types of letters, still ours. Proto-Indo-European that existed before Sanskrit? 
Don't Done. touch it unless you get a little bit of this in If there. it's a symbol. Yeah, right, out. yes! Yeah! <laughs> no, <You're>... no, <laughs> no flick of the wrist. The no fact color. that you limp-wristed and also threw a little bit of spice on something <laughs> was stunning. I can't do it because of my fucking Invisalign, but I could usually do it really, really well. I'm, I'm tempted to take my teeth out and do it. Well, that's um, another sponsorship we need, Invisalign. Oh, yeah. Invisalign needs to fucking sponsor this because the fact that we're at the point now where the I make... The fact that you're doing a podcast with Invisalign. Yeah, this should be advertisement. I, you, I'm straightening my teeth while I tell you a story about an ancient Greek goddess, <laughs> Invisalign. Like, give me the money, girl. Like, where what's is happening? It? Where does the money reside? I'm not... You know what? I have not followed in the words of our foremothers and I have not secured the bag. And I feel like I've done a disservice to everyone involved. It's you know, it's a it's a it's a complicated thing, you know. I am process. hotly sorry. Um. So, what the were your impressions of Hecate? It's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I have not secured the body bag. Thematic Hecate, get back into it. Yeah, the body. Today's going to be hard, I have a feeling. <laughs> it, might, it might be. It it, just, okay. Just a scotch. To pull a Dakota and bring us back in, I think, oh like, my God. what I think about Hecate is a lot of mystif- Like, it's mystifying, right? Yeah. It's, like, almost yeah. intentional op- op- obfuscation. obfuscation. There it is. Um, gotcha. Like, I think of her as um, Promethean, not in the sense of the fire part, but Promethean or like Luciferic in the sense of like the knowledge thing, like the keeper of secrets. Totally. Um, I don't know if that's accurate, but I just feel like whispers have to run by Hecate before they like <laughs> get to go where they're supposed to go. You know? <laughs> that's like one of my favorite things about her too, I think. And it's, I guess it's from research because I've done more research on her than pretty much anybody else we've talked about. Oh, like as an adult, as an adult, at least. Well, I did, I did a piece where I based my character on her yeah. loosely. Like it wasn't, I wasn't actually playing Hecate, but I was, it was just like, I decided to, it's the same piece I've talked about before. Yeah. But I, I definitely like, that was the intention behind it. I helped like, out with my, that piece. You did. Yeah. We, we, we did like a whole thing where you were just like amazing and, stream of consciousness at us about what we had told you for like a while in the best way it was like it was like breathing in information i feel yeah. so i don't no i shouldn't say i feel bad i'm thankful why would you feel that bad? i have friends who understand that i will launch into a ted talk unprovoked but but that's what we needed for that piece because we were i mean we were covering a lot of you know obviously we're building this extremely complicated piece and we were like here are the things we want to do and these are the themes and these are the this is the story like give us the 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 expert information to back that up basically you were like you were the i mean they do that on movies it's like the it's the the expert that's the research person yeah you know you were the person with the i mean i did tons of my own research too but like you gave me all the insider knowledge that i would have to research for like i would have to basically make it a career to have the ability to (laughs) it would have to be my life uh but that was yeah i mean it was incredibly useful and it was so complicated and the audience only you know is only getting that in the end by uh, sort of association they don't know any of my backstory it doesn't matter but it was really interesting because it was such a it was such a physically demanding piece and it was so like really transcendental 
Uh, and for me, my my basis of my character was a version of Hecate. And it and so it was interesting. So I had to lay on the, this is like so self-serving. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be referencing my own art. It's going there, there's a point like it's getting somewhere for what you ask. I can't not reference my own art. So I feel like Yeah, I mean fair it. enough. Yeah. Sunshine Deftones. I, I don't mean hello. <laughs> it was a it was an it was a piece where the these three practitioners were trying to bring uh put put an old god into a corpse to like bring reanimate them and try to get help saving the world basically oh. uh saving humanity saving their their version of the world whatever their society um but so for the first hour of the piece full hour i was dead uh so i was on the ground on naked on a wood floor uh with an audience um, with my eyes closed, completely dead, limp. They were moving my body around. I got, like, painted. I got eventually dressed. I got handled. And, like, it was extreme, which oh. sounds hard, but, like, for an hour, that's... I mean, it was insane. Yeah. By the end of the hour where I actually... And then I came to life. Uh, and by that point, I was almost I was almost completely numb. Like, I mean, it was deranged. Right. But I... Because... And they're moving around me the entire time, the three of them. And so... With my eyes shut, even in the rehearsals, I started to, and there's sound, the music design the entire time and everything, I started to go to a place that was based on what I had created for the character and the research I had done and everything. And the place that I went to, which was really interesting, it wasn't, in, uh, it wasn't something I thought of. It wasn't something I decided to, it wasn't a place I decided to go. It was truly completely organic um, and felt extremely magical, which was that I went to, I kept going, and I would every single time we did it, go to this place that it was a, it was a house in the middle of the woods. And it was extremely vivid, uh, like so vivid, more vivid than a dream, like as if I had been there before. Mm. This house with, I could see it with like uh, smoke coming out of the chimney and th this exact, I could describe the way the garden was planted. And I, you know, it was, and it felt, it wasn't just that it was like a place that was so specific and it was even, it was always kind of almost nighttime, like dusk, but it was also that it felt really calm and like so relaxing. Um, and I could actually just like maintain that for a very long period of time, just like being in this place. And I think that I, I think that the reason that it, my mind started to go there was because my research on Hecate, I really connected to this sense of her as one of the important sort of like older gods, like, being so separate and being so alone and you, you know like almost like isolated but in a in a way that she wants to be isolated in that way yeah. right and and it's this like incubator almost like she almost feels like she needs to be in this like you know she can come out and go visit people but like she really has this like unique space that is her own and that is very sacred and also simple. And I kind of liked that it was so simple. It felt very safe. And what ended up happening in the piece was that I would then, I, and I didn't intend this, but then when I was, when I was awakened and when I woke up, it was awful. It was horrible to wake up and open my eyes because the play, even though, yeah, as a performer, it's like, okay, Daphne's brain is like, yeah, this is great. I'm doing the performance. But even vaguely as Daphne, it wasn't pleasant. After being in this like really pleasant sort of like other place, opening my eyes and having people staring at me and being in this big room and, you know, with these people around me was fucking horrible. Mm. And I really connected to that because I feel like for her, it, I mean, in my own perception of her, I feel like it must be, it must take a lot and probably a lot of the gods in, who are like that. It must take a lot to leave your area mm. to, whether it's to help people or to right a wrong or to get vengeance or whatever you're doing. I think there's this idea that like in order to leave their safe zone, which they do all the time, it takes a toll 
Yeah. You know? So I really connected to this idea that she's this, like, loner. Loner mm. character, but very intentionally, you know? Yeah. And very no, powerful. That, that reminds me a lot of, like, because I think when I first learned that she was, like, somewhat associated with the moon, mm. um, it made a lot of sense thinking about what I know of Artemis, like, mm. in terms of, like, what you're saying about, like, solitude, which is, like, yeah. different from them being, like, alone, you know? Right. right. Um, and it's, like, it's intentional. It's a very, like, curated space. Um, and a lot of really wild shit is able to happen as a result of that space being curated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, similarly to, like, what you're saying, the coming out of it, it's, like, it's almost like a bow, right? Like, there's an immense amount of effort that has to go into the initial for the effort or for the, like, whatever is traveling to move. Um, and I feel like during this podcast, I started to conceptualize, like, that's the first time I started to conceptualize the idea that, like, oh, it, like, might be that, like, or, or, or just the idea of, like, yeah, if I was, like, a higher being and I got to exist at a higher frequency, coming down here would probably be, like, uh, uh, you know, like, um, just in terms of, like, how I can manifest uh, before I incinerate someone. Um, like, totally. you know what I mean? You're, like, like just working like, on a low, like, you're only working at a low level of, like, whatever your full power is. Yeah, so not even, like, as a weakness power thing, but just as, like, a compatibility with the way this particular plane vibrates, you know? And I think with, like, Hecate being, one, so immensely old, uh, two, so immensely powerful and having so much dominion. Um, yeah. Like, trivial, you know? Like, not to say, like, trivial in the sense of, like, you know... Um, not transformative of us and like you know all of our journeys but like all of our journeys must look real close to like how the fates weave the threads of just like it's mm. thread and right. it's been thread and it's gonna be thread right um and the only other thing that that reminded me of daphne because i one i wish i had been a, like i'd known you earlier i wish i had come to one of your shows it sound they sound i mean I'd you'll get to see one someday well yeah yeah um because that sounds sick and it was really interesting and weird (laughs) yeah and it made me think that like i feel like for the same reason it just even if from a different tradition it strikes me that hecate would like be like at least friends with or like have like uh an old like an old pal relationship with like lilith Mm. um just because they seem very like of the same mind and kind Cousins. of like, a, like we, yeah, they like, definitely seem other, like, like they would you, be, you know? yeah, for um, sure. Like I think both of like when I think of like a black moon, I think of both of them. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like that same kind of like it feminine, I guess, in the in the in the limitness limitedness of language, um, like, but like primordial. you know what's um, really interesting can i interject something just that is like totally just this just because i suddenly thought about it i've expressed it i mean i've like thought about this but i've never quite expressed it i guess part of what was interesting in that piece for a god because i was a god being put into a just like a random dead body when i came to life as somebody who does who is not a hundred percent aligned with like the physical body that i was born into necessarily I was able to experience that as like, you know, like as for me, whatever my like old God form was put into this. And I was like naked and just sort of, it was a really interesting moment to be like, it's not like this is a bad body, but it's limiting. It was an, you know, it was a very, it was a very, I guess, cathartic for me personally, but it still served the story. 
But to be like, yeah, this is the body I'm in now. Okay, I can walk. I can exact my revenge in this body. But, like, this is not, like, this is so, such a limited form compared to, like, what I have been wherever I came from in the cosmos. And in the end of the piece, I, I, I died. Like, I just, you know, like, spontaneously left the body. Uh, but it but it was but it was you know it was interesting after after the goddess exacts revenge on the practitioners Mm -hmm. instead of helping does not help does not help at all i mean that was the whole point of the piece for us was that this that they spent an entire hour doing this extremely complex and intense ritual it totally works which is that, you know, like the, the, the God goes into the body. Yeah. They're fucking amazing magicians. It literally works. That's it's right. perfect. <laughs> Except then the thing comes to life and it's like, it's Frankenstein. I mean, it's, the, it's, it does, it's non-consensual. They don't want to be in this body and they don't fucking want to help you. Why would they want to help you save your like little tiny shitty society? You, like, and you're cares? like, oh, it's the apocalypse. And they're like, the amount of empires that I have that seen, I've seen rise and fall. Rise and fall. Exactly. You think I care about this, and then adding. In into fact, it, you've awakened me in a such a non-consensual, mm-hmm. inappropriate way. Like I'm waking up on the floor in the middle of, like I don't know where I am. Like this right. is just. But they're thinking they're these like grand magicians, which they like are, I guess, in a, in their society. But they've missed the, the you know the hubris. Like they've missed right. the entire right. point. There's some level of sort of respect that is missing because I don't know, we see that all the time yeah. in society in general. And I think and it's yeah, really so, wild the way that you painted the picture of where in your mind, the God was. Yeah. And it was Which so interesting to me to the first time, the yeah, the first time I, that, that, that exactly. God would feel of like, wait a minute, you just ripped me out of like, and I didn't design that. It just happened in the first full run through we did where mm-hmm. we actually did it in real time, where I actually lay on a floor lifeless for a full hour. I I just I remember when we were done with that run through, I told my two partners like I was like, wow, I it, the craziest thing happened. I went to this extremely specific place that I could now revisit in a trance. I could go back like I could go back any time. Because it's so like actually Vivid. real, yeah. and it was, and it wasn't like you know up on a fucking cloud somewhere. It was a little house in the middle of the woods, and it was in the dark in the middle of the woods. Like it's very, very, very vivid. Yeah, and it was beautiful. And the main thing is not even how it looked; it was how it felt. Mm. That it felt so warm and pleasant, and like being ripped from that place was like extremely violent and extremely unpleasant. Especially for something that I like, didn't have any need to do, but even so, it was really hard, and that—I mean—that definitely like stayed with me. That yeah. I don't know, you know, maybe that's just in my imagination, but it's very no, possible dude. that that is, you know, based in something that there is some. It, It's—I mean—it's consent, but it's also like, yeah, like you're saying, Vince, there is this thing where it's like you don't having to operate on some like limited uh, you know like range of like what you are yeah it's like in, so, in order to interact with like people who are not what you are yeah that's fascinating right because like I, I was thinking about like the time that it takes for you in real time to travel from that like place that you were at to back to a body um yeah. is indeterminate regardless of what the clock says sure. uh like that's a liminal space right mm-hmm. so there's like like we don't like it's kind of like an ethernet cable right there's incredible amount of information traveling at whatever speed for you to get from that place to back to quote-unquote reality because thinking about that place and like what it means for something to be vivid and how that makes it real 
and thinking about like light and form and language. Um, and again, the idea of having to distill oneself to like reach here, which like I feel like Hecate would just ha like not have to in the sense of a limit, but just have to in order for like everyone else is good <laughs> if she shows yeah. up. Yeah, um, totally. This thing of like uh, how to communicate, create a vivid image to communicate with you to have this experience, right? Yeah. Like whatever it was going on there. Um, like that space existing means that uh, like and you having experienced it as real is just like a bunch of cool intersection of like language imagery um, and then like you know the whole experience of you traveling back to like the physical plane um, which I feel like Hecate is a super liminal um, totally like entity mm -hmm. uh, so that made like this whole thing like makes it's like and it's also like mysterious like how does that shit work no one <laughs> knows except for probably Hecate and what does it um, what does it mean yeah. I like, don't know what? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah but like someone who holds the keys like would be able to like know all of the ins and outs of travel regardless of in what you know uh which direction and what you know she feels really unique I guess amongst the mm -hmm. Greek pantheon. Oh, she sure. feels yeah. extremely unique in mm. general, but like in the way that she shows up, in the fact that she's kind of like in betweeny, right? Because isn't she? She's a she's a titan, right? Kind of, or like from that generation. She's old. She's older than all of these guys mm -hmm. who she's now existing with. But she's, she's not not an Olympian, right? Yeah. But she's also not like banished. She's kind of just around. She's right. kind of just hanging out in her own zone. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like, is it like, it, can someone banish her? Like from, yeah, <laughs> like, from like what I know, like, yeah. I remember like the pulling of the straws and then it's like also Hecate is right. just like, can do whatever she wants. It's like on the paper is Specifically. Like yeah, it's like Zeus, Lord of the Sky. She Sun, is like the person Lord who of the can't sea, get fired. Hades, Lord of the Underworld. <laughs> Asterix, Hecate can pretty much do. Yeah, she's good. Just let her. <laughs> like, just let her do right. whatever she wants. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> she like doesn't have an official job title, and ever like the new people are like, so what does she do? And they're like, don't. They're worry. just like that's her office. Stay away she from it. She just does, and that's how whatever. the job works. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. But I'm curious what like I guess I'm curious to hear what you have to say about like more popular impressions. I mean, obviously we know like Crossroads and Dogs and like you know the Dogs. But, but like what um. Dogs I know that she's super, sides. super, super old, but is she? I don't think of her as being visually old. Oh yeah, me either. At mm. all. Okay. I mean, I I know that that's probably an obvious like take, but it's she's it's like, not, especially not in modern times. That's interesting that you said that. Really? Oh, good. Yeah. Huh. So. Okay. What so do people think she. Oh yeah. Let me. I want to know. I'm gonna <laughs> kind of. Dive in now. So I'm hold so excited. On. Sorry, we talked for way. No, no, long, no. But... It's great. Like, it's. I, I love that we're all so excited about this episode. You know, like, cause I'm excited. Yeah. I had so much fun researching it, and yeah. you know, yeah. this is a goddess that I'm also, I'm obviously very familiar with. Um, but even for me, doing the research, there was a lot that I uncovered that I had not placed correctly, in sure. terms of wait that's actually this interpretation not this interpretation oh, oh. you know like oh this is a super modern thing yeah. that has been painted as ancient you know like so we're gonna just jump in so yeah. obviously Hecate is one of the most legendary and most notorious goddesses of all time 
and she is as iconic as she is misunderstood. Her name is everywhere, yet so little is known about her. And so, of course, misinformation abounds. We essentially have three Hecates to deal with today. Fitting for the ultimate fitting, triple goddess. Right? Yeah. First, we have the ancient Greek goddess. As a major goddess of ancient Greece, we can understand her from her myths, her cult, and her iconology. And that is what we'll primarily focus on today. But we cannot divorce that from the other two Hecates that are sort of always present in this dialogue. The second is the medieval creation. Many goddesses who were formerly beloved and fell from favor were put through the slaughterhouse of Abrahamic monotheism, specifically Christianity, after their peoples were converted. But none showed the resilience that the Greek gods have displayed. That longevity was not without its price. Many of the goddesses, especially, were demoted, disempowered, distorted, and demonized. We took a good long look at an example of this phenomenon in our Aphrodite episode when we looked at the evolution of Venus. Remember? Yeah. And it's this, it's, it's little surprise that the goddess of the witches would remain eternal, moving in the shadows, and also be the perfect threat, the perfect boogeyman, the perfect devil, if you will. Hecate became, to the European Christendom mind, uh, the mother of all evil, the deified witch herself, emblem of the threat that Christendom was seeking to stamp out with inquisitions mm. and witchcraft trials and crusades. That's so sick. That is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, her influence was felt over a thousand years on in the works of Shakespeare, where she is the patron goddess and the harsh mistress of the three dread witches of Macbeth. Uh, that's where my obsession started as it's a kid. Literally... I was obsessed with Macbeth. Really? That was my first. That's those are my first obsession, like impressions of Hecate are from Macbeth. Ah, okay. Same. Same. It's like I remember, like I loved Macbeth. Like Macbeth is like. I actually, I never got to read it. We for some reason you my school didn't do it. Read it. Sick. Read it's it. Like it's one of the so, greatest things yeah. ever. It's awesome. It's <laughs> It's like yeah. the most like I'm gonna I don't I'm tr intentionally trying to be basic just to emphasize how much I mean this, but it is so aesthetic. Okay. Um, oh yeah. Like, Hell yeah, right. it is. The, it is the most aesthetic. It's just like it's every so scene sexy is just and like dark oh, and evil. So yeah. cool. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so after the medieval creation, we have the modern reinvention. With the advent of neo-paganism in the last century and movements to revive, reconstruct, and reclaim the deities of pre-Christian Europe, Hecate quickly stood out as the prime goddess witches and pagans alike would worship. Few other gods were so explicitly tied with witchcraft and magic, the night and the moon, the dead and the crossroads. However, many were apparently unsatisfied with the ancient Greek goddess as she was, and through a blend of shoddy scholarship, revisionist history, and modern myth-making, a new goddess appeared, a goddess who remained as much a distortion as the demonized force of evil that she was made out to be in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance. So what's it all mean? Who are we actually talking about today? Like any of our other gods we have discussed so far, we will rely on ancient sources, historical texts, and the evidence found in myths, documented worship, and iconology in order to address this question. The question being, just who is Hecate, the goddess of the witches? So we're going to start with origin and evolution, as we always do. Uh, these are the Greek versions of where she came from. Ready? 
yes. daughter of the Titans Perseus and Asteria, the sister of Leto, mother of Artemis and Apollo, daughter of Zeus and Asteria, daughter of Aristeus or Astraeus himself, no mother, the daughter of Nyx, no father, part of that kind of litter yeah. almost. Uh, that one feels kind of right. Oh, yeah. yeah Daughter one. of Demeter is also one as well. That, yeah. Now, the thing that we have to ask ourselves when we look at these possible origins is, is it possible that she's not Greek? Originally, yeah. right? She doesn't really feel 100% Greek. I guess there's just something about her that so feels so outside. It's like what right. we keep saying. She just but, feels so outside of this pantheon. Well, and I it's pretty that. clear that Hecate does predate the Olympians. We have a lot right. of evidence for, for sure. that. Yeah. However, her exact origin is much less clear, as there are many theories that she was imported from Egypt, Anatolia, or some other foreign land. And her name is no help either, considering that along with Persephone, the etymology and the meaning of her name is still pretty unclear. The etymology of a god's name is crucial. It's often the best and most of the time the only evidence that we have that we can use to establish their origin. And the possibilities for the origin of the name Hecate take us all over the place. So we have the Greek theory. Here, her name could be drawn from Hecatos, an archaic epithet for Apollo, which means the far-reaching one or the worker from afar. Okay, so I, that's how I thought, like, when I was, like, trying to figure out how her name was pronounced, mm. um, I had heard Hecate before, mm -hmm. and that's how I was pronouncing it, but then I, like, did a little bit more research and just and which ultimately just means i went in a direction right right <laughs> um but i think that's because i i started pronouncing it um hikati like just like the like uh like the the emphasis is just different i feel like right. i've heard people say that and so i that like hearing that i'm like oh okay there's so maybe that isn't just like a dumb thing i saw on the internet <laughs> no for sure um i i feel like the most accurate that we can be is hecate um, because if you look at the way that the same vowels are used and the same suffixes are used in other yeah. names, because I said Hecate forever yeah. or Hecate forever. Yeah. That's what I always said, because I always thought that's how it was said. But it's not Aphrodite. It's Aphrodite, yeah. right? E, yeah. So it's definitely T, right? right? And then you look at when the A is used like that, it's not an ah, it's an uh, right? Yeah. So, But that's also our approximation in modern American English. It's not right. going to be 100% accurate to archaic Greek, right? Yeah, and yeah, I'm also, yeah. I'm pretty sure in Shakespeare, he did Hecate. Yes. Which which is like iambic pentameter or whatever. Like, I'm sure yeah. he just had, like, for some linguistic reason, he had to do that. He's but I'm pretty sure it's, it's Hecate. No, <laughs> that wasn't just him. him. That wasn't just him. We were going to get oh, to this actually oh, really? last in my list, but I can bump cool. it up. So in early modern English, Hecate's name was originally only pronounced with two syllables, Hecate or oh. Hecate. Even when it was spelled with the final E, which kind of came yeah. later on, it was still only said Hecate. And it wasn't until the late 1800s that the modern pronunciation of an extra syllable even took hold. Interesting. Right. Uh, I wondered about that because I learned, I mean, because I learned her name from Macbeth. Yeah. And so I pronounced it Hecate forever and then learned, like, and then changed to Hecate. But because obviously that Greek wise makes a lot more sense. But... Right. So in terms of the Greek, right, we understand, okay, there's this epithet of Apollo, Hakatos, and it means the far reaching one or the worker from afar. 
Ostensibly, this is used to indicate that she was originally an aspect of Artemis, because Artemis and Apollo share as twins a lot of aspects, and the remote or removed or detached or aloof sort of personality is something you still see in Apollo and Artemis, so it kind of makes sense. That's yeah. interesting. The theory states that archaic Artemis had a dark side and a light side, reflecting her role as the lunar goddess. The dark side was linked with the dead, the underworld, necromancy, and the night, while the light side was associated with purity, chastity, youth, and the hunt. Eventually, the dark side became separated and developed into an individual goddess, Hecate, while the light side remained identifiably Artemis. Hmm. So that's the Greek theory. Then we have the Egyptian theory. Ooh. This one is pretty simple. There's an Egyptian goddess named Hecate. Oh. <laughs> um, and so she's... Awkward. She's, well, she's a goddess. It's H-E-Q-U-E-T, the way it's set, the way it's written, H-E-Q-E-T. Um, she's a goddess of fertility like Hathor, but instead of a cow, she's depicted as a frog, representing oh. the annual flooding of the Nile and the final moments of childbirth. Midwives were called the servants of Hecate, and her amulet was worn by women during childbirth. It was a frog on a lotus. The theory postulates that at some point she made her way from Egypt and developed her own cult. Somehow, you have to add in that she would somehow have missed or been missed by Interpretatio Greca and syncretization with a Greek goddess. Mm -hmm. um, and so Hecate became Hecate and the rest is history. It also doesn't hurt to mention that it's pretty largely attested that the word for magic was Heka. H-E-K-A or H-E-Q-A, depending on how it's written. Ah. So it's like, okay, there could be something there. Yeah. And then we have the Anatolian theory. Hecate could have originated in southwestern Anatolia, where the Carians worshipped Hecate as a great goddess, specifically at her temple and in Lagina. Though she was a popular goddess with worship worshippers across Greece and Asia Minor, this was her most famous temple, and it held major annual festivities in her honor. Like many in the area, these folks made use of something called theophoric names. This was the name of an individual which embedded the name of a god seeking to invoke their blessing or their protection. And names in this area followed this pattern very early on with examples like Hecatomnus and Hecateus. Hmm. So there's a lot of evidence that it could have been there as well. She has a lot of characteristics that make it seem like she could be from Asia Minor. She's often pictured alongside or compared to or sometimes even syncretized with Kybele. And so she has that sort of like stature of a great goddess instead yeah. of um, Kybele who has her lions, she has her dogs. Does. But it kind of is like this thing of, oh, okay. And there's enough about her that is so obviously not Greek, but she goes way back. We just don't know how far. Because I'm going to yeah. probably mention this later on, but it is really important to remember the first written record we have of Hecate is basically Hesiod. Oh. And wow. that makes it kind of murky. Right? But then literally, what isn't murky about Hecate? <laughs> yeah. what, what might clear some things up is looking at her epithets. So I'm going to give you a list of her epithets and what they mean. We have, and remember, an epithet comes after the name. So you would say Hecate, 
or Hecate, Anasa, Enaroi, right? Which means queen of those below. So we have her her epithets, which are uh, the one I just said, um, Hecate, Apotropea, she who turns away, Chthonia, she of the underworld, Anodia, on the way. And Anodia is also a goddess that may have been absorbed by her, but is at least analogous to her. Clydeucos, uh, she who holds the keys, Kurotrophos, nurse of the children, Crocopeplos, saffron cloaked, Melanoe, remember Melanoe? Yeah. She is seen as possibly an offshoot of Hecate as well. She would not have predated her. She would have kind yeah. of been cut out of her, if you will. Like, right. uh, not even cut out because there's nothing missing from Hecate, but you like get what I mean. Like inherited something or something, yeah. Or just like, just asexually butted off. Or yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Nyctopolis, uh, night wandering. Phosphoros, light bearing. Uh, Propolos, she who serves slash attends. Propulaya, before the gate. Scylla Cagetis, leader of the dogs. Soteria, savior, Trimorphi, three-formed, and Triodia, she who frequents crossroads. Man, these are the baddest ass yeah. fucking She ones. is like... So uh, like the whole episode. Yeah. I should just There's have that There's a reason loot. that I'm just like... I was immediately like, yep, this is the one. <laughs> what? So we so, mentioned it a little bit, and you guys kind of gave me some of it. What are you thinking her purview and domain is? I, oof, my brain is like, it really is truly uh, frogs on cocaine in like a glass box right now. Like, oh, great. I'm just like, uh, okay, purview. Uh, crossroads for sure. Uh huh. Um, magic. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, witchcraft. Necromancy specifically? Witchcraft. Yeah. Right. Um, She's a psychopomp, so like psychopomp, yeah, for sh- the transition. Yeah, I mean, I guess crossroads in that kind of childbirth. Makes sense, but... I want to something. I was going to say childbirth as well, which I checks thought out so too. because of Midwi- gates, midwifery, specifically maybe? cemetery gates, but maybe just gates. Okay. Um, but like that, I, that I have, I can't talk about that right now because I'll get way too distracted. But the gate <laughs> thing and the childbirth thing, the mm. exiting of the the womb and like the dark, yeah. Yeah. Um, something about the dark, like okay. a specific area of the dark, like oh, the well, darkness moon. of the woods or something. We keep saying moon. Oh yeah. The but moon. All, and then, but I agree with you also. Maybe like darkness. Yeah. Yeah, like, like a very woods, specific word about darkness. like a situational darkness. <laughs> okay. Um. Something more like isolated. Like I don't know. There's something to that. To that woods it's thing. Like traveling at night or something. Yeah. Mm. Oh, torches. Mm. I guess. Keys. I don't know if we said that. Okay. Um, dogs. Dogs. Yeah. Well, those are more like her attributes and sacred symbols and things like that. We're yeah, talking yeah, about like yeah. what is we're she We're just rule rattling over. everything off. Yeah, I was, <laughs> that's just okay. like to say a bunch just of stuff. Every I want to talk about So we're such like fucking fanboys over here. <laughs> Here's what we know uh, from ancient Greece. All right, Hecate was the goddess of magic and witchcraft, the night, the moon. Ghosts and necromancy, the crossroads, entranceways and thresholds. Yes, thresholds, of course. The knowledge of herbs and poisonous plants. I was going to say something to do with gardening. I was going to say there's got to be some kind of gardeny thing there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the knowledge and usage of herbs and poisonous plants for magical and medicinal usages. Okay. 
She was also worshipped as a protectress of the household alongside Zeus, Hestia, Hermes, and Apollo. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She was a quote-unquote Titaness who fought alongside the Olympians and the Titanomachy. Because she was key to their victory, Zeus thanked her by quote-unquote awarding, more like recognizing, <laughs> yeah, her yeah. preeminent power over the heavens, the earth, and the sea, but also the underworld. And sometimes it's thought that the sea is a euphemism for the underworld when yeah. it's talked about here in the Theogony. Like the under, yeah. Right. That makes sense because of the like some of that My, uh, Mycenaean shit about yes. Poseidon and yeah. Like yes. The, yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> now, according to the Oxford English Dictionary, quote, she is more at home on the fringes than in the center of Greek polytheism, intrinsically ambivalent and polymorphous. She straddles conventional boundaries and eludes definition. That's what I love. That's the thing. That, she, that she's just on the fringes. She wants to be on the fringes. How could we not relate to her? It's it's, it's like inherent in her nature. I don't even think it's about like want or not want. It's like she's this just is not just gonna where get in she the exists. Middle. Yeah. You know? She lives her own life. Uh, she was called by many names. Uh, and she was, sorry, she was called many names by many people. And her enigmatic nature definitely led to her being attributed a wide variety of roles. From the goddess of the witches and the Dark Mother to Savior, Mother of Angels, and the Cosmic World Soul. Whoa. This is titles Shit. that she had from different groups, whether it was the Orphics, the Gnostics, the Ancient... Like, there's all different people who kind of attributed different things to her. Now, we're going to look at her depiction. So, how do you think of her being depicted? I mean, I... I really just, for me, one of the strongest thing is, is like ancient, but not actually like crone old looking. Okay. But like clearly very old underneath, you know? Right. Like she's not like a maiden, but it's also not like, she's not, I don't think she's just like an old woman. I think she's too, in some way that takes away some of her power. So I feel like she is more just like, oh, just a woman, but, but there's this like something about her just like exudes this energy of like ancient ancient wisdom and also this thing where i guess it's what you're saying about her anyway but like you can't almost like she can't be perceived completely like there is no male gaze version of her right like you know like it's like she just she transcends that right Whatever that means. <laughs> right, both like in, I would, yeah, I, I get what you mean by like. Visually and Not just age, but just... also like liminality. The fact that she's yeah. the darkness. She's kind of shrouded or veiled. She exactly. reveals how much she wants to reveal. And I'm not saying she can't be beautiful. I'm sure she could be very beautiful if she wanted to be when she wants to be. But it's like, that's not the point. Well, There's it's such a, else. it's such a, forgive the word, almost like primitive or low tech. Yeah. Like way of it, it just shows the feebleness of our ability to perceive yeah. that we even would think about it in these terms. Right. But I don't like, think of her as young or old, ugly or beautiful. Right. She's just kind she of. Just yeah, is. Th she is this like powerful, strong, I, I, you know, she's feminine in some way, but I see her as being very masculine, too. Like she mm -hmm. has it all. She's just this sort of like everything figure. So I feel like maybe as a result of just like interacting with the internet um the like i feel like 
trying to conceptualize her. What did the yeah, internet do to you now, Vince? I feel like you're a well, kid that just came home from school that was picked on. What did the I internet say to you now? Oh, no, I said, I, I meant that with a lot of wonder. And oh, okay, all right. Um, Because I feel like the way when I try and conceptualize her, she is, like, one and three at the same time. Mm. Like, in the way yeah. that you would, like, try and look at it and, like, literally between, like, milliseconds, it's flickering between seeing three figures. And totally. Totally. And I feel like looking at, trying to, like, picture her face, it's just, like, the face of every, like, woman that's existed ever mm. um, uh, at various stages of life. Um, but, like, long hair uh, that, like, kind of also changes volume and, like, shape under, like, a hood, I guess. Mm. Um, I imagine she has a pretty sick outfit. Um, and like it's like accentuated it's like one of those things where it's like it, it it's not so much that I I made I'm doing this so that you look that the torch matches the way the like robe is cinched but it is a thing that is happening like that is there you are perceiving that you are correct to, to perceive it <laughs> right um, and I think the, the like last kind of part of it is like other than seeing like kind of her low-tech version of w when she would show up here which is just like pretty much everything i associate with witches like the woods at night um crossroads with the single lantern that doesn't light it's just like a very specific circle in the middle of the crossroads yeah. and everything else is dark um dogs barking at night um bats frogs like all of that shit right but uh like very teen titans raven in the sense of like uh, picturing her, it's like the outline in darkness. You know, mm. where it's like everything is black, but you can like see shapes moving, even though it's all darkness. Like, that's kind of how I feel, feel like she moves around, you know? I also feel like she could have. I feel like it would be very her to be able to appear quite modest or homely. Not mm. modest, like modest, like, you know, covered up, but modest, like simple mm -hmm. you know it, it like not uh ostentatious like god like sh you know like fancy in god. like a you know, like i'm the template for everything that's happened after kind of way right? we think <laughs> like, of so many like, gods as being face. like showy <laughs> or like so entirely who they are they're like mm. the fashion version of who they are or and also like really ridiculously over disguised yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. like I'm a crone. Yeah. yeah, I feel like she would just be very simple. Like I think there is a version of her that's like, even though her power is so infinite and her, I feel like she's extremely confident, but therefore she doesn't need to always demonstrate that way. Like she can just be sort well, of like a villager. I feel like know? she has the inherent. This is my own thought. I yeah. feel like well, it's kind all, of inherent know. or intrinsic to her that she is only as noticeable as she wants to be wants to be yeah. exactly right and there's certain things i feel like in my head i'm, I'm like okay a tell that it's hecate would be she doesn't blink mm. that there's yes. something stone-faced about her something that, like that that's just not real that not human she's yeah. not even you know what i mean like there i don't think that there would ever be a fully not otherworldly totally you know and like but but would you notice would you even can can you can you even perceive, you know? So yeah, it's a lot of that. So, but it's ethereal in that way. Like there's something yes. sort of ethereal or celestial about her, but 
other than that, she isn't like, yeah, either like showy or also on the opposite end. Like, oh, don't notice me. I'm a beggar woman. (laughs) It doesn't have to be that. She can, I think, because she like almost exactly like can will only be perceived if she wants to be perceived. Right. Doesn't Which, need to, doesn't... Hello, she's so why much... do you think we're all fangirling? Because... Exactly. That's what we all wish exactly. we could do. <laughs> yeah. And also it's so... I think that shows a huge confidence. That mm. even some of the other gods who are, like, so powerful don't have that confidence. Like, she doesn't give a fuck what you think. Like, isn't here to win a beauty contest. Isn't here to be cool. Like, isn't here to show off. There's she no showing off. Out. Just, why does she care? Her, like good duties of the fates. Like, what is she? You know what I mean? Yeah, she like, doesn't exist on the, that wavelength. No, like, that's just not where she lives. Yeah. So, but I lo- I love that about her. <laughs> in terms of depiction, I had to write the longest depiction that I've written for any of the gods. Yeah. Uh, because I had to include multiple sources and give you the full gamut. So here we go. In Lucan's Pharsalia, the witch Arictho invokes Hecate, saying, "Quote." Persephone, who is the third and lowest aspect of Hecate, the goddess we witches revere, and then goes on to describe her as, quote, a rotting goddess with a pallid, decaying body who has to wear a mask when she visits the gods in heaven. Oh my god. All of the gods were known to have the ability to change their shape, as we've said. However, Hecate was known to be the shape changer par excellence. While the Olympians would take on the form of an animal or the guise of a mortal, Hecate could become darkness, a dog's Mm. howl, a chill wind. She was often associated with Nyx, and this seems to be indicative, or it makes a lot of sense. They're analogous more than anything else. They're so primordial that they don't really even fit into what we think of because we've been so Olympian-minded for a while now that it's like, whoa, wait a minute, we have to kind of take a step back and look at somebody who is, like, more part of the fabric of the universe than an individual identity, you know? I love that. I love that. Her earliest... I can see her being, like, a wind, like a breeze. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She doesn't have to have, like, a human-esque form at all. No. That's an an option, but... yeah. Yeah, it's an option. It's one of many things that she could do, you know? Uh, her earliest depictions are of a single woman dressed similarly to Artemis in a, lean, in a knee-length maiden skirt and hunting boots. Her clothing was described as saffron-colored. Her most iconic and most common depictions, however, come to us from classic Hellenic times, where she was most often represented as triple-bodied. Three women standing back-to-back, each holding different attributes, including torches, keys, daggers, and serpents. These women were shown wearing matronly garments in darkest black. The three figures were sometimes situated around a central column, which was called a hecateon. This image was used at shrines found both at the crossroads, in households, and in temples. Other times, she would be depicted seated, a classical pose for the great goddess archetype. According to Apollonius of Rhodes, remember I was talking about like theophoric names, like Apollonius would be, or Apollonia, because it has Apollo in it. Yeah. Uh, According to Apollonius of Rhodes, her head was wreathed in serpents, twining through branches of oak. There are also many depictions in which at least one of the women wears a spiked crown of sorts akin to what we see in the modern Statue of Liberty. Oh. Who also holds a torch. There are also mm-hmm. depictions, though less common, which feature the goddess with one body and three faces. Mm. 
Um, this gets even better in the writings of Hermes Trismegistus and the Greek magical papyri, where Hecate yeah. is depicted with a single body and three heads. One dog, one serpent, and one horse. Although sometimes a cow, a goat, or a boar might be thrown in. Hecate was consistently tied to dogs, specifically black dogs. Her presence was heralded by the howling of dogs. She was seen accompanied by dogs. And sometimes she was seen as having a dog's head as a dog, but I'm assuming the size of like a dire wolf or something, or otherwise canine features. The dog was her prime sacrificial animal and was often eaten as a sacred sacrament. This was documented in Athens, Colophon, Thrace, Samothrace, and beyond. It's important to note that there is another goddess to whom the dog was sacred, Elithea, the goddess of childbirth. And this link is no coincidence because Hecate also had a matronly aspect. Sometimes she was even depicted holding a child, mostly when she was pictured alongside Hermes and Kybele. So now we're going to talk about her retinue. Remember I keep talking about these dogs that she shows up with. Well, here's the thing. It's more that she was heralded by the sound of dogs. And yes, sometimes it was thought that she had all these dogs running with her. And those were variously thought to be either like um, the restless dead in the form of like kind of black dogs, if you will. Mm, um, but could also be like her handmaidens or her attendants or some spirits we don't really understand. Mainly, though, she usually only had one dog with her, and sometimes a polecat. So, let's talk about the dog, whose name was Hecabi, or Hecabi. Hecate's hound was called Hecabi, and she was a black dog. But she had not always been that black dog. When Troy fell, Queen Hecuba saw no reason to go on living, so she went out to a cliff looked out at the setting sun, and threw herself into the sea. Hecate witnessed this and transformed the lost woman into her faithful familiar and companion. Wow. Then we have the polecat, who has two possible uh, origins. Now, you guys know what a polecat is, right? No. Um, well, it's like... I don't, it's like a bigger, is it a bigger type of cat? What is it? It's like a weasel. Oh. It kind of oh, looks. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they kind of look like a ferret, um, like but they're kind seal? of like a cross between like a ferret or a skunk. Like they're they're usually bigger. Yeah, um, it's like a bigger weaselly, like rodent kind of. Yes. Is it a rodent? Yes. Like a larger rodent. Yeah. Yeah, they're a carnivore. Um, polecats, the, th- the problem is that polecat, the term, has been used to describe weasels, minks, ferrets, otters, skunks. Think that family, right? Something like that was also uh, attending her. And that animal, which was considered 100% evil, by the way, (laughs) by the Greeks, uh, was also her attendant and had two possible origins. So it's time for Choose Your Own Adventure! Adventure! So, first we have Galinthius. There was a midwife in Thebes who served the local community. So when a woman named Alcimene was in the throes of labor, she sought to help her deliver her child. But the labor went on and on and on, and there was no relief for this woman whose life was becoming more and more endangered by this prolonged birth. 
divination was performed or the Oracle at Delphi was sought out. We're not sure. But it was determined that Hera had cursed this poor woman, forbidding her to give birth. As a result, Elithia, the goddess of childbirth, and the fates sat down and crossed their arms, disallowing the birth to proceed. Oh. Galinthius was desperate to help this poor woman, so she sought out Elithia and the three fates and cried out that by Zeus's will, Alcimene had born a son of great renown. The Moirai, the fates, shocked to hear that their will had been subverted, uncrossed their arms and stood up. And in that moment, the pains of labor ceased and Alcimene gave birth to Heracles. Oh. The goddesses quickly discovered the midwife's deception and cursed her ruthlessly, transforming her into a polecat or weasel, making her live in the cramped earth and cursing her with a horrific, painful mating. Hecate witnessed this and felt terribly for this woman, and so she made this polecat her sacred animal and this woman her servant. So there is a midwife thing. Yes. We we kind of we thought so. There's yeah. a midwife thing. Cool. So the other version is Gale, or I guess you could say Galley. I'm not really sure. In an alternate version, the woman in question was a witch named Gale. She was a powerful sorceress, and she sold her spells for extravagant costs. Alien, the tailor of this story, calls her lewd and amoral saying that she was, quote, afflicted with abnormal sexual desires and that Hecate punished her in anger, transforming her into a polecat, which the Greeks saw as an evil creature. But she was so disgusted that she then made this her constant companion. So you do the math. Then we have the Lempades. The Lempades were the daughters of Nyx and the nymphs of the underworld. They carried torches and walked with Hecate on her nightly wanderings. It's said that their torchlight would spark madness in any mortal who beheld it. They were Hecate's companions. However, they were also the handmaidens of Persephone. The Lempades held festivals called Mysteries, and they adored mischief, playing tricks on others, sometimes leading mortals to an untimely death. You know, what are you going to do? However, they could be just as benevolent (laughs) as well. The Romans called them the Avernales. Now, in terms of attributes, technology, all of that, we have sacred animals and sacred plants is kind of like where it lives, right? Of course, we have, like I said, the attributes that she holds. So you're going to have like key, dagger, serpent, uh, torch. You know, those are going to be the things you're always going to see her holding. But then there's also the sacred animals and sacred plants. So the sacred animals tended to be dog, red mullet, serpent, polecat, and plants would be yew, cypress, garlic, aconite, belladonna. Aconite is wolfsbane, by the way. Belladonna, uh, which is deadly nightshade. Dittany of Crete, mandrake, and asphodel. Yew was most sacred to her. Devotees would drape themselves in its wreaths and drape its branches over the black bulls that they would sacrifice in honor of the goddess. Funeral pyres were crafted from yew in order to invoke her and then propitiations were given hoping that she would then take the newly dead safely to the underworld its wood was used by the greeks for the crafting of bows but also the tree and what you could make out of it was also used for poisons so you could have poison arrows artemis yeah 
The red mullet was sacred to her and was offered to her as a sacrifice. Their it's association, a fish, right? Red mullet fish. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Their association was drawn from a similarity in their names: Hecate being triformis, three you know three body three formed, and the red mullet being called Trigla. This culminated yeah. in the cult of Hecate Triglathena. Right. The red mullet was a potent symbol as it was taboo. It was seen by the common Greeks as polluted and unclean for consumption. Wow. Its blood red color was a further indication of its importance to Hecate as she was sometimes called blood drinking or blood eating. This was commemorated in a simple verse. O mistress Hecate Trioditas, with three forms and three faces, propitiated with mullets. Fun fact, dogs were used to dig up mandrake, as well as other magical plants, furthering right. their ties to Hecate. Hmm. Yo, she's got like a real cohesive yep. situation going on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's got a strong, strong energy and strong whole like arc. So let's talk lovers. Who do we think out of the gods that we have talked about? Can you name even one that you're like, yeah, okay. Like Thanos. (laughs) Like maybe. (laughs) Oh, Thanatos. Well, uh, Thanatos, maybe, but I was saying Thanos, like P-H-A-N-E-S. Oh, Faunus. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Oh, my God, yes, right? Yeah, I feel like maybe. You Not know? it, but I love that. I think that's great. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, that's just a ship. I don't know if that, yeah. The question <laughs> makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so largely, no, she didn't have any lovers or consorts. That However, yeah. it was not uncommon, though, to see her kind of get paired up. The ancient Greeks shipped this pairing, okay? It was Hecate and Hermes Psychopompos. I was going to say it's something Hermes related. Just the underworld Hermes, though. Awesome. Because sometimes the underworld Hermes had his own cult. That makes sense. I I was literally going to say Hermes, except that I was like, but that seems weird. There are such different energies, but this makes more sense. Above ground Hermes is like a no-go. No, that's crazy. But Psychopomp version of both of them is like, maybe could chill. I imagine Hermes when he goes down there just because of the energy of Hades and like all the chthonic shit down there does kind of like, you know. Yeah, he straightens up uh, a little bit, yeah. The hat was crooked. He was Will Smithing the hat up there, but he comes down, he's like, all right, let me get His entire, like, vibe changes, though, I think. Oh, I think it's the only time Hermes has ever taken anything seriously, aside from creating mischief. Yeah. 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 Everything slows down. most responsible, he, you know. He takes it really seriously. Most of his jobs. And also, like, this is one of the few episodes where I, like, needed uh, a pencil and paper, because I just, like, have, like, not all of it's fitting up here. Hell yeah. Um, And one of the first things that I wrote down was Mercury. Um, oh wow! Because when we told the story about um, um, the like the first time it was mentioned of childbirth, that was just like that's also like a liminal space of moving from darkness mm-hmm. to totally. something well, else. Totally. Well, that's why it's it reminded right? me. Yeah, and it reminded me like it's like a, a it's a different you know it's a different kind of like. Well, uh, remember when we talked about the depiction of Hermes, and your answer, Vince, was I feel like he's constantly changing. He's not one age or race or even determinate gender. And it was like, 
I, you know, on one level, you kind of are like, well, how would she have any, anything in common with anybody? But when you think about it, who's as liminal as her and, and kind of understands, yeah. like, yeah, these gods think they're really powerful, but they haven't seen the fucking seventh dimension. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, like these are the two they're gods who've, like, seen Cthulhu sense. and they're yeah. not impressed. You know, like... Yeah, like, <laughs> and someone whose mind moves fast enough to, like, comprehend, like, the like the depth of secrets that she, like... I kind of oh, like yeah. it, though, because mm-hmm. I feel like if this was, like, a romantic comedy, though, like... He's definitely like way younger than her, but like, so she's like, she's like not taking the relationship. Like, he has a huge crush on her, and she's like, whatever, we'll like, we'll hang out, but this isn't serious. Oh, you know? I would love she's to. She's like, I have like, to go uh-huh. back. I have a big executive job. Like, you're yeah. really cute, but like, you gotta leave. Like, yeah, I have to get up really yeah, early the tomorrow. Dogs. Yeah. And she's like, I'm gonna. She's like, I have to some night wandering to do. And Hermes like, Yeah, I'm just gonna chill with the dogs for a bit before I go. Yeah. He's like, Can yeah. I just stay? And she's like, No, you have to leave. Like, right. I don't, like, don't be like, here when dogs. I get back. I just feel <laughs> but like they do. But he... they do actually really like each other. But it's yeah. just like they can't say it. I feel like he always like has antics that he's always doing to get a rise out of her. And the most he can get is like her eyes glitter a little and he's like, oh, I fucking got her. You know? Yeah. It's giving me Beast Boy Raven. Yes, Um. absolutely. (laughs) Oh God, that's so good. This is also absolutely me and Eli's relationship. Yes. (laughs) like Actually, we have now dealt 100% come full circle and this is my And you know what? It's sort of like me and B as well because you have to understand like everybody kind of that knows B kind of just sees be as this like cheerful very nice person sweet there is yeah. something about B that is like the fucking sphinx i don't oh, know I what is happening half the time in their head <laughs> and the thing that i love about my partner is they're the only person i've ever met in my entire life that sees right through me and like yeah. i i have no choice but to be authentic like, That's such a good thing, though, that. in a partnership. Yeah. I have that, too. But think about like, Hermes. It's so like, important. It's yep. so part of Hermes to, like, do the whole thing. He just knows inherently, okay, I can do this with everybody else, but, like, I better just fucking... It's not going to work. Yeah, I better right. come correct yeah. with her because yeah. she's going to know exactly what it is and not be impressed, and I'm going to yeah. be not happy. So, yeah, it's like... That's amazing. I can't help but just, like, be, you know, like, vulnerable with my partner because yeah. it's somebody who actually sees who I am. And that is something I've never really experienced before. And so it's it, to me, that's just sort of how I see it. But yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. Like it's wild. So, real. so children, do we think that Hexie has any children? I think it like it, like if so, they're not like, Human. they're like concepts yeah. or something it's i was like, thinking the same thing it's oh like, kind of like oh. nix's brood yeah it's kind of like time yeah um, it's, right as, it's as some, indicated less... by like the shadow of a sundial it's like something super specific <laughs> yes. like that. it's like a secret up until she's like all right i guess i'll let you figure this out like <laughs> yeah i don't really see that so hecate had no known children but was often named as the mother of various monsters Uh, there there you go and as the goddess of the witches she was also called the mother if not the patron goddess and mentor but also the mother of Circe and Medea yeah awesome yeah they're they're called at certain points daughters of Hecate servants of Hecate descendants of Hecate priestesses of Hecate like they're always linked with her of course but there are some times that people are like oh yeah that's their mother and it's like yeah okay 
Like she doesn't have to um, give birth to them for them to be like to make the point. No, they're like no. they're definitely her like uh, you know underlings, like subordinates. Like okay, but similarly to the Hecate thing uh-huh. of like reducing the name to like two syllables, that made me think of Hades and like how we don't know his ne- actual name. Right, like we're not allowed to call him his actual name. Right, um, and like that just gave me like a weird like we're kind of scared of Hecate, so maybe just like not all of the syllables. They right? have a lot of parallels because if you think about they it, do. everybody's kind of like, well, what's the dog thing? And I'm like, well, what do you fucking think Cerberus is? Yeah, yeah three headed dog. <laughs> like, the number three too. Right? Yes, like yeah. it's like Hecate, right? Well, um, it's often said that Cerberus was a gift to Hades from Hecate, uh, and was originally and one of her of hounds. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, That's also adorable. Like, yeah. I love this. I kind of love him just, like, as we said in his episode, like, walking into, like, the dank underworld and kind of looking around and just kind of being like, well... And I kind of love, like, puppy Cerberus being left there. Yeah. yeah. With, like, a black bow around A bow. And, like, you know what I mean? Like, it. no, yeah. no, no nothing. Yeah. Just... You know what I mean? Like a kind of a little mist of darkness left over, and he's he just yeah, knows. Just like echoes he knows. In a he's cave. like you know. He, he needed a pal. Yeah. Like, over time, it's just like through like very cavernous communication, um, a relationship like builds, but yes. it just like takes like eons. Eons. <laughs> well, because yes. neither of them is exactly very like communicative. <laughs> like they're both. And neither of them needs it. You know what I'm saying? What like they're, they're they're fine. They're, they're not here to make friends. No. <laughs> so all right. So we're gonna go a little further into her roles as a goddess. Wait, so, just really quickly on the the Cersei Medea thing mm-hmm. because I got distracted by the Hecate Cerberus thing uh-huh. um, because that's awesome. <laughs> but. In terms of her not having to be their actual mother, um, given the childbirth thing, given the secrets thing, given the darkness thing, uh, I'm not saying this is the case. I don't have any, you know, whatever, whatever. This is just like, ooh, this would be cool. If there's, like, uh, some, like, right, like, by with because I'm like, thinking about the, like, the Lampades, like, if there's some, like, kind of right that Cersei and Medea went by to, like, go through, like, a metaphorical, like, birth, through Hecate to like become the great sorcerers as they are, that would be kind of cool. Well, there's but, definitely I think enough evidence that we can we can postulate that as a as a very serious possibility because there is like uh, verbiage that is used around Hades and sometimes around Hecate where someone is touched by Hades, oh, yeah. or touched by the, like death or the darkness or the underworld or Hecate. They sort of bear a mark of that, and they're irrevocably changed. And sometimes powers come with that. Whoa. Um, awesome. So we're going to start out with her as the goddess of boundaries. One of her key functions was as a goddess of boundaries, thresholds, and liminal spaces, including borders, city walls, doorways, and crossroads. This, of course, extended her rulership over the threshold between life and death. These associations are evidenced in her epithets. Uh, she who turns away, on the way, she who holds the keys before the gate, and she who frequents crossroads. She's more commonly understood as a liminal goddess, but she was also an, an enforcer of boundaries, turning away malevolent spirits from the household or the city at large, if properly propitiated. When invoked, she was thought to protect those traversing thresholds, especially those which were seen as dangerous 
or taboo. Of course, this also meant that she could deny her protection or send vengeful shades against those who displeased her. Her role as the protector of thresholds was most evident in her association with torches and watchdogs. A house's front door was commonly flanked with a torch on either side. She's always holding two torches, allowing the inhabitants to identify strangers. The Greeks and Romans made extensive usage of watchdogs, of course, because their barks and howls would alert the household to intruders, and the watchdogs were considered sacred to her. This even extended to cities, which often had a shrine to her on either side of their gates. Take this famous incident, for example. Quote, In Byzantium, small temples in her honor were placed close to the gate of the city. Hecate's importance to Byzantium was above all as a deity of protection. When Philip of Macedon was about to attack the city, according to the legend, she alerted the townspeople with her ever-present torches and her pack of dogs, which served as her constant companions. Images and altars of Hecate were ubiquitous at all three-way crossroads. This is what cemented her ties with the Roman goddess Trivia, who we'll get into in just a little bit. But you might be like, why the fuck would her name be Trivia? You have to think about it like tri Via it means three ways or three oh, yeah, roads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In terms of being a goddess of the night, Nyx is the night, yeah. and she's the goddess of the night. Yeah, as we'll get into like later, right? Like it's Selene so... is the moon. Right. Artemis is the goddess of the moon, right? Yeah, she's a oh, goddess so of cool. the darkness because <laughs> basically she would go on these like nightly wanderings um she would carry torches she would lead a train of ghosts to the sound of her baying uh, of baying and howling of dogs Uh, yeah i'm my brain's frying (laughs) (laughs) and of course this leads us to her role as a moon goddess so you might be asking yourself wait a minute hold on how the fuck is she a moon goddess if the moon is what shines at night well the moon was a powerful icon for the ancient greeks as it was in all ancient cultures However, unlike the sun, the Greeks had multiple goddesses who were said to personify and or rule over the moon, its presence, its power, and its influence. At times, these goddesses were understood as, like I said, the personification, like Selene, of the moon and the ruler, Artemis, over its power and influence. Other times, though, it was multiple goddesses that were thought to represent, embody, and preside over the moon's phases, with a goddess for the full moon a goddess for the dark moon, and sometimes even goddesses for the periods of waxing and waning. And we can surmise that this was the case with Hecate, as she is most often referenced in relation to the dark moon, when there's no light on the moon at all, and the new moon, when the first piece, like the first sliver of light hits the moon. These are the essential opposite of the full moon, which was associated with Artemis. Now, as a goddess of witchcraft, Hecate was intrinsically linked with magical and medicinal usages of plants and the creation of medicines and poisons, and it was often expressed that she would reveal this knowledge to those that she favored. Of course, like we just said, examples including Medea and Circe, and she was deeply beloved among the Thessalian witches. So, and of course we have Macbeth and we have all these other, you know, kind of things there. Um, if you ever get a chance, you should really look into the Witches of Benevento, because it's thought that they were also possibly de- uh, devotees of Hecate, 
when Hecate is syncretized with Diana. Mm. Um, and they had this black walnut tree in the city of Benevento that was sacred to them. And it was really, really cool. So just if you ever get a chance, check into them. As a goddess of necromancy in the underworld, we go to the Greek magical papyri, where Hecate is said to hold the keys to Tartarus, and basically the keys that unlock all gates, the gates between multiple realms. Like, there's not a lock that can keep her out. Uh, she, key. Huh? Skeleton key. Yeah, the ultimate skeleton, skeleton key. Skeleton key. Um, yeah. She is a god of boundaries and liminal spaces, and so basically she dictates who can go and who can't, and obviously <laughs> can allow herself. Virgil described the gates of hell as Hecate's grove. Hecate was closely linked with the Chthonic Hermes as they both guarded roads and journeys of all types. In fact, the two were classically depicted, this is so cute to me, accompanying Persephone in her ascent back to Earth. This is a role that Hecate would carry on, guiding the goddess back to the surface on her yearly journey from the underworld. By the 5th century BC, Hecate was intrinsically linked with ghosts and was often depicted traveling or wandering with a retinue of ghosts at night, like we said. This is where it gets really interesting about her being a goddess of night and of her association with the dark moon. There was something called the Diepnon, and the Diepnon was the evening meal enjoyed by the Athenian Greeks. It was dinner, right? And the Diepnon of Hecate was a meal that was left for Hecate and the restless dead at the crossroads once every month in accordance with the dark moon. This was done to honor the goddess, placate malevolent spirits thirsty for vengeance, and to purify the household and atone for any wrongdoing, because it was done in those three parts. The meal was offered at her crossroads shrine, a sacrifice was performed, and ritual purification of the household was undertaken. Interestingly, when we talk about the Diepnon of Hecate, uh, there were even like sort of um, critics back in the day who were saying, you know, usually it was like Christian polemicists who were like, well, you say that, you know, this goddess, you leave these meals for her, but obviously it's just stray dogs and homeless people that eat it. And it's like, yeah, that's the, that's the point. Yeah. Yeah. She's right. also, <laughs> she is in, in many, many ways, she is the goddess of those who have been maligned, marginalized, yeah. forgotten, cast out. That is her people, right? Yeah. And as queers, we have a special place with Hecate because there was the Semnata toy, who are also sometimes called the Demosioi. This was the priesthood of Hecate. And the priesthood of Hecate did feature men and women, but most beloved to the goddess were the sacred gender variant individuals called the Simnatatoi. They underwent ritual castration in her honor and served as her sacred priestesses. They were known to cast horoscopes, tell fortunes, and perform spells for money, care for her sacred groves and holy places, but mostly they were also known to direct choirs of children who would wear flower garlands and sing the hymns of Hecate. That's so creepy. Amazing. <laughs> um, can you imagine what those hymns sounded like? Yeah. Just like yeah. children wailing. Like I just terrifying. I think you'd probably I think like as the choir leader you have to like put on like a horrible mask and then just like turn around and scare them and like, okay, cut it, that's perfect, loop it. That's that's the hymn. There it is. You know? Um we can also look at Hecate in her evolution, uh, which I think is always really interesting if we look at her like basically from the archaic up to like the classical and into Rome. 
So in the archaic period, we have the first mention of Hecate, which is in Hesiod's Theogony, circa 700 BCE. So I'm going to actually read to you from it because I want you to know, okay, this is the first written documentation of Hecate's existence that we have. Okay? Quote, And Asteria conceived and bore Hecate, whom Zeus, the son of Cronus, honored above all. He gave her splendid gifts to have a share of the earth and the unfruitful sea. She received honor also in starry heaven and is honored exceedingly by the deathless gods. For to this day, whenever any one of men on earth offers rich sacrifices and prays for favor according to custom, he calls upon Hecate. Great honor comes full easily to him, whose prayers the goddess receives favorably, and she bestows wealth upon him, for the power surely is with her. For as many as were born of earth and ocean amongst all these, she has her due portion. The son of Kronos did her no wrong, nor took anything away of all that was her portion among the former Titan gods. But she holds as the division was at the first, from the beginning, privilege both in earth and in heaven and in the sea. And here's how he explains her purview after these honors are awarded, quote unquote, by Zeus. Whom she will, she greatly aids and advances. She sits by worshipful kings in judgment, and in the assembly whom she will is distinguished among the people. And when men arm themselves for the battle that destroys men, then the goddess is at hand to give victory and grant glory readily to whom she will. Good is she also when men contend at the games, for there too the goddess is with them and profits them. And he who by might and strength gets the victory wins the rich prize easily with joy and brings glory to his parents. And she is good to stand by horsemen whom she will, and to those whose business is in the gray, discomfortable sea, and who pray to Hecate and the loud crashing earth shaker, easily the glorious goddess gives great catch, and easily she takes it away as soon as seen, if so she will. She is good in the buyer with Hermes to increase the stock. The droves of kine and wide herds of goats and flocks of fleecy sheep, if she will, she increases from a few or makes many to be less. So then, albeit her mother's only child, she is honored amongst all the deathless gods. And the son of Kronos made her a nurse of the young who after that day saw with their eyes the light of all seeing dawn. So from the beginning, she is a nurse of the young and these are her honors. So, in in his own way, writing, you know, 2,700 years ago, he's talking very, uh, basically as highly as he can. Literally, Zeus doesn't get this much praise yeah. in the yeah. Theogony. This is honestly been suspect by certain historians who've looked at it and said, clearly, wherever Hesiod lived, he came from a place where she was the primary goddess. And right. so he was giving her the due that he thought was appropriate, you know? Um, and so it's just, it's wild. Like there's, there's so much there, but then we move into the classical period. Before we do though, I do want to point out, uh, it is important to know that her worship was more common in the household and at the crossroads than in the temple. She did have her own temples, but she was much more commonly featured in the temples of other gods. And it could be pretty much anybody. I mean, Apollo, Artemis, Athena, you'd find her in their temple. She was also one of the main goddesses of the Eleusinian Mysteries, alongside Demeter and Persephone. Like, next to them, she's, like, the most important goddess in the Mysteries. And she had a major sanctuary at Eleusis to honor her for this, for the aid that she gave Demeter and the part that she played. 
We then go into the classical period, and by the time we get to Sophocles and Euripides, she is seen as a great goddess on one hand, but she's also the mistress of witchcraft and the leader of the Keres, remember the blood-soaked Valkyries, on the other hand. In the Argonautica, Jason performs a ritual propitiation to the goddess under the guidance of Medea, who serves her as a priestess. He was to bathe at midnight in flowing water, dress in dark robes, then dig a pit, and cut the throat of an ewe, uh, I think I'm saying that right. I always forget. E-W-E. It's like a... You. Huh? You. Is it you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Like a sheep? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you. Uh, he was to bathe at midnight in flowing water, dress in dark robes, and dig a pit, and then cut the throat of a ewe over its opening. Then he was to finish the sacrifice and burn it on a pyre next to the pit, and then pour honey into the pit to sweeten the offering. Once finished, he was to leave without looking back, though he might hear the sounds of footsteps or barking dogs. <laughs> that awesome. Like the first honey roasted ham. Oh my god. Yes. Uh, then we get to Rome and trivia. There, it, it's very, very important to understand there is no formal equivalent to Hecate in ancient Rome. She's like one of the only Greek goddesses that does not have a neat Roman counterpart. The closest she's her own fucking weird thing. That's, that's the thing. Like that's like part of it. I think. I mean, even Nyx it. has a has a Roman counterpart, which is like, is she literally just nuts? Like they yeah. just straight up imported her and changed the yeah. name a little bit. Um, the closest approximation would be the goddess Trivia. However, even she was mostly recognized as a functional aspect of the goddess Diana. Trivia was the goddess of sorcery and witchcraft, the dead, crossroads, and graveyards. She only walked the earth at night. Her presence was announced by the howling of dogs. She was known as the queen of ghosts. Hearing this, you might think she is a carbon copy of Hecate. Even the name means three ways, trivia, trivia, in reference to her rulership over three-way crossroads. However, there is significant evidence that, at least at certain points, the Romans consolidated the lunar goddesses into a single goddess, Diana. So kind of that split that we talked about with Hecate and Artemis, they kind of did the reverse. They were like, Diana, because Diana really was a great goddess to the Romans. She's far outranks uh, Artemis. And we'll talk about yeah. that in Artemis's episode. I mean, Diana is fucking major. Epic, so yeah. it makes a lot of sense. There was no reason that Diana couldn't be magic and witchcraft and, you know, chastity and the hunt and all of that. She was all of it. Mm. So um, it's you know, the most that we really get with the Romans is, oh, she's a face of Diana. There is no actual goddess that very much is Hecate for them. And that's because Hecate was also there. Like, yeah. Hecate didn't need an approximation she's her very own much. Yeah, yeah, she very much was more of an Apollo situation where they just straight up were like, oh, cool. Yes, that's, we like that. So <laughs> then we go to late antiquity. Hecate was the prime goddess mentioned in the Chaldean oracles circa 200 to 300 CE. In fragment 194, she is mentioned in association with the Strophalos, which is a spinning top that was used in both divination and in magic. She would go on to be syncretized with just about any fucking goddess you can think of. Juno, Bologna, Diana, Artemis, Luna, Selene, Isis, Ereshkigal. Like she's, she's constantly linked. Kybele, like she's, she's syncretized with so many different goddesses. Her worship, by the way, did not die out uh, when everybody was Christianized in the region. When the Greco-Roman area sort of like became Christian, she did not go away. Um, 
I think a lot of that is because she wasn't in the public square <laughs> to like get yeah. completely taken down. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. fact, the church was condemning the practice of leaving offerings at her crossroads shrines as late as the 11th century. <laughs> like, it held on. Wow, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just, um, that's that's what we've got for Hecate. I mean, there's other, like, some other fun facts. Like, yes, she's tied to midwifery and childbirth, um, but, like, stillbirths were sacred to her, right? Like, and she was said to, like, take care of them. And like, because that makes sense because that's like I mean birth and death obviously we've already talked about this that like they have to be connected like if you're a god of one it's like you have to kind of be the god of the other they're like the same thing but still life is like both in one thing that's the thing so birth yeah. is like almost one of the most liminal things a human could ever achieve it's, you know what I mean the most you're di- you're being born and dying at the same time right. it's like that's that's like unreal of course that's like her that's her jam <laughs> yeah I mean there's there's definitely uh room for conjecture that it was kind of seen as like her adopting these yeah. these children and like taking them in her arms and bringing them down to the underworld it's like her. if you're st- born stillborn then you're like being adopted by hecate right. in some way right yeah or taken taken by hecate that's interesting yeah. so cool it's so cool how mysterious <laughs> she is but it makes perfect sense <laughs> how could I... she not be yeah i so there's this um weird like place of philosophy I don't know if it's weird it's just like a, a, an area of philosophy that I just like never really kind of heard of until this like class that I took essentially they're just like talking about the like philosophy of communication um, mostly like this dude Ong and this dude McLuhan um, and they bring up this idea that like languages that are super hard to learn or like sacred languages so like Chinese Latin Arabic um, languages Sanskrit. that like, yeah sanskrit that take like super long to learn um because they are that complex they act as like much more efficient like vaults for like culture and practices Mm -hmm. um whereas things like a graphilect like which is like a language that's like supposed to be easier for people to learn and just like uh, uh, like takes a bunch of shit that people know how to do and then mixes it all into the english um can't do that it's kind of sterile Right, which yeah. is why, like, our curses aren't as colorful, right? right? It's fuck you versus, like, some of the shit that, you know, other languages have. Right. So then, um, thinking about, obviously, language is a liminal thing. Right. Um, that got me thinking about crossroad gods in general um, because they have access to time in the sense of, like, the cycle of death and rebirth um, and travel, like, liminality and travel. Um I started to think about like Hecate and like her being associated with like witchcraft and like what that implies for people who engage in witchcraft over time mm-hmm. is the recovery of secrets, the recovery of things that used to exist. Uh, and so like similarly to those sacred languages that kind of act as like a vault for cultural practices and like, and like things like that. Um, if crossroad gods are able to kind of like, not save but like essentially preserve um the others um in like her secrets and then reveal them to people who are able to like activate those things again in a way where they're not just like you know um kind of die in a history book somewhere um like that liminality and like their again fluency with death and rebirth um i wonder and like hecate just kind of like 
He's like, all right, everyone get in the van. <laughs> We're right. gonna have to wait for a thousand years, but like, we'll we'll get you back out there when we can. Um, and that and like how those like all of those practices um, end up in like I mean this is gonna get real out there, um, <laughs> but like the idea that like those languages hold cultures like safe in them, mm. and like the repeated practice right language becomes formed. Like there are things that as a result of those practices like become our DNA, right? Mm. Like mm. practice over practice over practice over practice becomes like things that we do, right? Which like the crossing of the DNA is like the crossroads of like your ancestors, everything that's happened before you and how it's manifesting in like the current material world. Mm. Um, and so like birth, right? Like the process of birth. So then like Hecate and that position makes like a like just like was like that was like the first thing that like was on the page and then everything else was just kind of like trying to connect dots like charlie day like at the like like yeah <laughs> looking like a fucking maniac but it's like i wonder if like that process of witchcraft right the, like literally the practice um like the the knowledge that we know exists within plants right and how they like transfer information mm. um and like the all of those secrets are uh, not just kind of like murky intentionally, but they are like preservative, right? Boundaries, right? right. Um, that are like not just uh, they're apotropaic. Um, is what I'm gonna pronounce that word now. Um, but like they uh they push things away, like and keep things in, right? Um, so that was like really cool to think about um and then the mercury hermes or the hermes thing made a lot of sense uh and yeah that, like, an answered a lot of questions i thought i was gonna ask about that but then i just started to think about the u and like the u is cool because of that root thing that it does so i know like with the celts they were like death rebirth tree <laughs> yeah yeah um, i mean pretty much every european culture recognizes it as the tree of yeah death. it's like a and yeah it's, it's presence Which, in graveyards kind of, you know, hello. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's sick. And I was just like, there was just like thinking of other connections, right? Like Legba also travels, Papa Legba also travels with dogs. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously Lord of the Crossroads um, is also um, kind of that messenger, like um, liminal figure. Mm. Um, so I was like, and then not so much because of the liminality, but like Oya in terms I was going to say, it's interesting that she's almost like a cross section of the two. Yeah, because Oya it's has weird. The whole if you drew a triangle. Yes. Mm. If you like drew a the, triangle and you sort of had, I almost feel like um, Obatala. Yeah. And Oya and, and Legba, right? Yeah. You could almost be like, okay, right in the center. <laughs> right? Like there's, there's right. something that it's very, very interesting. Mm. Yeah. Um, just like Oya being like again cemetery gate, yep. magic, witchcraft, yeah. and stillbirth. Yep. Um, and so like it, and riding the wind. I don't know why, but yeah, that needs to just be like right? yeah. Both like of them the whistling of the wind, but the sound, right? Yeah. Like the sound, right? For sure. Um, For sure. So it's like that. That's like a cool thing to just like see. It's like one of those things where you're just like, oh, that's an energy just, just like that moves on the planet because everyone's like, ooh, look at that, right? And wrote it in a different way, but like... Well, and also to so many people in the ancient imagination, I mean, the wind represented a lot of fucking things that go bump in the night. Yeah. You know, the wind <laughs> going at night outside was the spirits marauding. 
it was, you know, yes. like it, it could be anything because it, yes. you don't know. It just, even today, the wind can make I was going to say, we have like, meteorology and today it does that. And I'm like, all right, go inside. We yeah. Can yeah. Yes. <laughs> Time to go. We go. <laughs> yeah, 100%. That's wild. And there's something about that, I don't know, like I'm definitely not trying to like synchronize them or anything like that, but as I'm like, uh, Oya is a, like, I, I, I feel like my approach to knowing things about both of them is similar in the sense of like, I'm approaching it very slowly and very, very cautiously out of respect. Yeah. Um, and I feel like even like Oya and the storm, mm. like the idea of the sky darkening, right? Like that's a, like kind of a form of darkness too. And I think like she in like some, like even just like in the colors, um, and like some of her dances, I just mm. feel like she's just seen as the darker kind of like aspect of a lot of what is going on through the Yuri shows. Right. Um, Especially the darker feminine, like with Lilith, like we were right. saying. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because they all have that sort of the potential to be seen as like the devouring mother. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is like such mm-hmm. a such a Hecate thing and and a Lilith thing. And, and Which it makes... obviously, yeah, made me think of Saturn. Right, like mm. boundaries, like the death thing, time, liminality, of yeah, that, like mm-hmm. all of that shit. Um, also, literally, Cronus eating, yeah, <laughs> or the, yeah, uh, that, yeah. That, like uh, the the. So yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, this I was, whew, this was fun. I I'm wrote so much shit down. So cool. The thing um, that I also wanted to just <laughs> sort of like bring up to you guys was something that I found in my research that is not written anywhere but seems to be implied everywhere. And that is that out of all of the gods of ancient Greece, I honestly think there's really only one that could be seen as omniscient. Mm. And it's Hecate. Yeah. Because there are things that are said about her, like she is a witness to every crime. Everything. Yeah. Like uh, what? Like everything. Every of so every cool. one of the gods has a limit to their ability to perceive what's going on and they can don't be tricked know what's and going can on. be yeah. deceived. Or, you know, Helios is the eye in the sky, but only during the day. You know what I mean? Like there's there's yeah. nobody but she else. Actually can sense everything and she's aware of everything that's she's like that that's what when we were talking about the hermes thing it's like she like he can't like the whole like the the workaround doesn't work with her right because i feel like she's like the concept of secrets right it's like yeah. right i am them like you cannot like, right right <laughs> like right. this torch you see this torch <laughs> right right so yeah i just that that to me also kind of speaks to how they thought about her because you have to think about what a radical idea that was, considering how they characterize all their other gods, and they're on the other side of Christianity from us. Yeah. The yeah. idea that a god should be all knowing is so encoded in us yeah. because we're post-Christianized, like but that wasn't nations, their people. Sense of gods. But it yeah. wasn't a thing, and and the vast majority of gods in the world's mythologies are not. <laughs> omnipresent omniscient omnipotent they're not they're not that i guess i mean zeus doesn't know what the fuck's going on a lot of the time no he he literally needs people to tell him what's going on people are like hey yo bro like yeah poor heavy fucking heavy he's got her cup and she's gonna shake him away and be like hey "Hey, the fucking earth (laughs) flooded bitch like it's climbing up to olympus we got like yeah he genuinely does not is not aware no even as big of a nerd as like odin is like he still needs 
Yeah. He needs like, Ugin and Munin to go out in the world breakfast. and tell him what's yeah. going on. <laughs> yeah. That's. But I think that's why she also has to re- recede and sort of like go. You know, it's like she has so well, much. Everything about her. She doesn't need to chat with anyone about anything. Everything about her gossip is for, the watcher knows. or the worker or the influencer yeah. from afar. That's yeah, her thing. Afar. You know what I mean? Yep. And so, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like yeah. she, she's just she knows she knows what's she going knows. on. She doesn't have to be up in the, the ultimate middle of it. No. Yeah, so. it's like I feel like the concept of being like watched at night, like never. Yeah. Ever, like, I always feel like. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what, though, there's a difference between. I'm gonna make a distinction here that I think is very important. There's a difference between what you think is watching you from the woods at night. And feeling as if the sky itself is what's watching you. Yeah. And the yeah. sky itself is her. Yeah. The woods at night is much more Sylvanas, Baba Yaga. Like, there's there's a whole wild yeah. thing there that mm-hmm. is almost too terrestrial for her. Right. Yeah, she's well, yeah, that, You said something about, like, the world soul. Mm. Yeah, I loved that, too. I, That's I, one of her things. Super. Cool. I was like, oh. The cosmic like, world soul. Yeah. yeah. That's, That's beautiful. Cosmic is definitely a word I would like to use for her. Oh, 100%. Yeah, for sure. When we talked about gods like going off to different dimensions and shit, I mean, it's like, who do you think taught them how to do that? Yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she has all those options. She like doesn't have to be here. This is not like her there's, there's no it's reason like to she, think this is her is primary, no you know what I yeah, mean? Like, she could be anywhere. No. She could be anything, anywhere, at any time. So, <sighs> that's Hecate, y'all. Jeez. This was the most, we were like blushing the entire episode. I yeah. was like, oh my yeah, God. This was like the most, maybe the most ooh I've been on yeah. this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody have any questions that I can answer about Hecate or? Oh, I actually have one question that okay. you might not want to include this. This is kind of stupid, but I was just curious for my own uh, like research and who knows. When when they say that she has, they, I know one of her things was like saffron something, and then she wears saffron color. Do you think saffron colored means the color that saffron dyes things, or the color that the like little stamen or whatever it is is? Like, is it red or is that golden? Like that golden, golden. color. It's the color yeah, that, that saffron good. makes things. When when the ancient into. authors say saffron, they mean they the mean color the they dye. could get with like, dye. Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's yeah. that's what I figured. I just wanted to check because obviously that's really different. Cool. That's what yeah, I figured. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, and it's only in her earliest incarnations um, uh, that we see the saffron-colored robes happening. It makes it's um, amazing when she still sort of was drawn like Artemis and almost in uh, indistinguishable. You know, which again we see that thing of like what happened with Hermes, what happened with Ares, and it stayed with them where they were just like the archetypal traveler, the archetypal warrior. But then she had her own kind of entire thing develop. And the fact that she's triple, you know? Oh, and that's what I was going to say. Remember when you were like, well, I don't think she's like a crone. And I was like, oh, good. Because that's like a total thing that she's not usually... Um, the maiden mother crone thing gets put on her three forms a lot. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Which there's no reason to do that. That's that's yeah. never been a thing. Um, no. You know, we're going to talk about this in our concept episode. But if you don't know, the maiden mother crone idea um, is a completely modern invention that someone came up with in an, in analyzing uh, triple goddesses and sort of coming up with their own. Uh, interpretation. It is not something that actually there is any proof of. 
it's someone's well, especially, take. Especially not like on her on like Greek. Like th- that's such a specific, like what a weird thing. I mean, I think, I feel like that is an interest. It's an interesting concept only in that, like, of course, there's always three. There's always a beginning, middle and end. There's always like youth, right. you know, the journey and then death. Like there's nothing wrong with those archetypes. But, no. Like it's weird to put them on somebody else that it like has nothing to do with. Like what? Right. She's not, her intent, like the intention of her existing is not to represent like a woman's cycle of life. Well, like, and that's the problem it's not, is it's this like yeah. archetypal femininity which of course is incredibly yeah. exclusive there's all the yeah, issues with that exactly but also it's not how everyone's always thought about the cycle of a woman's life so there's that right. but also why are you drawing this like liminal like mm-hmm. cosmic world soul level goddess as a human woman's life like that doesn't make sense at all. Like, it's what do you mean? For her. You know. Yeah. So yeah, it's just it's it's ill fitting, and it's also a completely modern invention that gets hoisted on her, which makes no sense. Or they do um, like Demeter, Persephone, Hecate as the maiden mother crone, or Artemis, um, Celine, Phoebe, uh, fucking Di- uh, Diana. Um, Luna, like everybody gets thrown into this fucking thing, and it's like, it's, okay, I guess, but like it's, it's a, a natural metaphor, but it's like don't put that, don't define their character by that. that no, that didn't even exist. Yeah, I don't see her as a crone at all. Like personally, yeah. I think that's way too limiting. I guess that is too just like human. That's too like to see like an old like wise sort of like you know that's too human for for other goddesses it makes to... sense. Like for some others, it you does. don't want to yeah. see Baba Yaga young. You know what I'm saying? No, like no, Baba Yaga fair. needs yeah. to be wisened An to the point of almost lady. being petrified yeah. wood. You know, like yeah. she needs to be that. Like and ancient. that doesn't disempower her. It's intrinsic to her. But Actually, we're talking about somebody. Yeah. It does. And so, but with, with Hecate, you're talking about somebody who's like much more the night sky without a moon than she is a human yeah. being of any kind. You know, like yeah. totally. there, there's no reason to, to, to sort of limit it or hamstring it in that way you know it's also like she's a woman but she's not a woman like come on right it's like you know there's a femininity to her character i suppose but she's not like she's not a woman the way that we think of that it's kind of incorrect (laughs) i wonder if that saffron thing has to do with like how expensive dye was at the time Right, in terms of it does it being a dedication. I'm sure. Yeah, it's yeah. The, it's the same reason that like you always see like Jupiter's sacred sacred color is purple, you know, yeah. and like the emperor would have purple, you know, like yeah. it, it's it's the same thing. An elegant thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like um, because it that also makes me think about like the earliest account being Hesiod, in the sense of like uh, I wonder if it's and there's like well, not that much evidence of her in Mycenaean Greece. Yeah. Which is why everyone's like, where the fuck did she come from? Yeah. Well, the very what's... first mention is, hi, I'm preeminent above everybody. It's like, yeah. wait, like, what? what? Like, <laughs> Who are you? She's like saying to Zeus, like, oh, you must be new here. Hi, I'm Hecate yeah, and I, I run I've everything. Yeah. You know, like. Well, it's like, I was thinking, because I, I think about like the language thing too, where it's like, by the time Hesia was around, they hadn't been writing for very long. No. Like at all. He's like one of yeah. the first people to like define himself as like a hey I'm I'm writing this <laughs> right right um, and so I think about like her relationship to like writing because of the secrets and like stuff like that and it's like whether or not she was just like she was doing stuff but it's like you all haven't even figured out how to write yet so don't <laughs> don't worry about it <laughs> right 
you, you all figure out how to write, then maybe you can like handle some of this. But like, I, I got stuff to do. Like, <laughs> right, exactly. You just figured out how to wash your ass, and I've seen suns explode. Like, let's yeah, not like, let's not compare not, notes here. It truly just won't mean anything to you if I say anything. <laughs> no. At this point. So I need you to like. <laughs> Get a concept of word permanence, and then maybe <laughs> <laughs> right. How about object permanence? How about we yeah. start with that? You know, like and then and then you're, it's just you're like, on peekaboo, and I'm over here as the cosmic world soul. Let's not, yeah. you know. And then it's like, you know what? All you could really handle is just just make sure you put this in the beginning of this thing you're gonna write, right? Like that's really important that that goes there, and then go wild with the rest of it, right? Like, make sure that's at the top, right? <laughs> have either of you ever played? Because remember, I told you we were going to get to a video game. Oh, yeah. Um, have either of you ever played Dead by Daylight? Yes. I like that you're asking either, like, have either of you as if you think I've actually played this? That's really, it's really sweet, though. It's Thank inclusive. you for not assuming. Yeah. I, I really try inclusive. not to. You know what I mean? It's really <laughs> inclusive, but, like, no, I have literally played Diddy Kong Racing. That's uh-huh. the only Yo, video that's game a, hey, I've That's a played. pretty good one to have on your belt. I, I yeah. did, like, I did that entire game. That Many was my peop- fucking jam. Many people like Diddy Kong Racing more than Mario Kart. I was, like, that was is one thing. of those people. Oh, that's a hot, that hot take incoming. It's, Here we go. It's, no, it's not. Is it's it like, still it's a, a hot no, take? That was me when I was like eight years old. It's an established thing. <laughs> I had it. I got it when it came out. There so is this a community is an old that likes Diddy Kong Racing more than Mario Kart. That is me. I am that person. <laughs> but yeah, I played anyway, that. I love that by day. That's the extent of my knowledge, so sorry I haven't. No, it's fine. So just super, super basic, um, Dead by Daylight is basically an asymmetrical PvP. So what it is is there's four people (laughs) who play as survivors, and there's one person who plays as the killer. And they even get, like, licensed. That's fun. Shit. So like you can literally play as like Ghostface from fucking uh Scream, Michael Myers. Like and yeah. you can and you can play as Michael Myers or you can play as Laurie Strode, Jimmy Lee Car- Car- uh, Curtis's right, character. This, that sounds pretty fun. It's, it's really wild. fun. It's terrifying. It is um, terrifying. I, it's terrifying. I would probably only play terrifying games. My favorite games. So it's my... super simple. All it is yeah. is you're in a level, you're in a trial, because there's this thing called the entity that has basically sucked up the survivors of the killers and it's just really put fucked. them through these trials. <laughs> It's, it's fucked. Weird. It is like macabre. It. Fu- it's terrifying. Yeah, it's so fucked. So basically, the whole thing is, is there's two <laughs> exits to every level. And uh-huh. so your goal as a survivor is to you need to repair five out of the oh. seven generators and get out. Um, okay. And the killer's just trying to kill you. You never and get out. So you, get out. you do, but like, it's hard. And the killers are getting mixed signals. Upsetting, like it is. They're, they're so. Here's the thing: I was I was trying to relate to Hecate because it's the way I conceptualize it. Yeah. We talk over and over about the howling of the dogs, and the thing yeah. is, there's this there's this thing in the game called the terror radius. Yeah. Whenever the killer <laughs> is closer to you, they all have their own signature sound. Okay, oh, um, which okay. like the huntress has this fucking horrible lullaby. Which is just yeah. humming. She's just she humming. has a baby. She has like a baby mask on. It's yes, like really funny. Oh it's God. like a baby bunny mask, and she's like yeah. eight feet tall and a lumberjack. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so fun! And yeah. she throws hatchets. She's yeah. oh my god, she's so good. Oh my god! But so the whole thing is, is when someone is when the killer's getting closer, not only does their signature sound happen, but you hear a heartbeat, and it yeah. gets louder and faster when they're getting closer and closer. And some of them can even manipulate that. Yeah. So my favorite character is one of those people. Who? Uh, it's the dude with the bell. Um, oh, uh, he, the is it the wraith? 
I, I think so. His face like almost his whole, looks like wood. Yeah, his whole thing is that he rings a bell and he he bypasses all of those rules. So he can't kill you while he's like essentially imperceivable. Um, mm. But you can get really close to people. So like oh, when I scary. play with my friends. All of the they, killers, the front of them have a red light that yeah. you can see. And like, so that's kind of a giveaway at least that you can, right. you know right. where they are. And which is why there's this technique in the game called moonwalking, which is when they'll walk backwards towards somebody so that yeah. they don't right. see the red so light coming. See. Yeah. Yeah. So this character, uh, they can avoid all of that. They ring this bell and they essentially like slip out of like perception. Um, so then they can just pop back up like right next to right. you. So, right. So, but yeah. the thing is, the trick is they have to ring the bell again to do it. Right. So when I play with my friends, uh, they hate when I'm the killer because I do this every single time because it never stops being amusing. Is that I don't care about winning. You are. I such... just want them to You're scream. Just messing with oh, and so I'll just, I'll just stay yeah. invisible, and then when they're on a generator, I'll ring let the bell. Them pretty much fix the generator and You're then ring it right them. behind their head. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like, it is good every single For time. For whom the bell tolls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every single time, it's excellent. It's Amazing. fucking terrifying. I was watching B play it and I, and I fell into it again, just like I told you yeah. with Resident Evil, which yeah. PS, I think it's only like a month until, or no, it might be this month that Resident Evil is fucking coming in and Nemesis is going to be one of the killers and you can play as Jill or, um, oh, what's his uh, name? Leon. uh, You can play as Jill or Leon. Um, Yeah, like the Demogorgon from Stranger Things is in it, which I hate saying from Stranger Things but that's how people recognize it. It's actually from fucking D&D. Which, again, hi. I would just like to, again, submit, like, Daphne should be fucking playing D&D. Um, you'd be killer at it. I know. You would Everyone such a good always time. tells me this. Yeah. It really is fucking rad, especially for people like us who, like, like Vince was saying, I've done a very similar thing with my character, and it's helped me really flush out a lot of my own, like, spiritual practice to some extent. Yeah. Like, it's really wild. So, um, but, yeah, like, it's I, every time that I think about the howling dogs now i'm like oh that's her terror radius yeah that means like she's in the area and you better fucking get inside and stoke the fire and not like shutter the windows bitch because you better yes. not look outside <laughs> so yeah it's so that's also just like owning dogs though because like i feel like that's my terror, terror radius, radius. <laughs> but it's just because i have two asshole dogs oh and they're god. usually around me somewhere oh god i love let's, it let's be honest i love it also, so just- in terms of, because, uh, like, she has a pet dog named Hakabi, right? Or Hakabi? A companion like, dog, yeah. Companion dog. Um, so my, my cat's part of the three, my cat has three names, and the last one is Hecate. Um, oh. Uh, and she's just, like, a very large black cat. And she's a black cat. She's like a that little shadow. That photo it's that perfect. you sent, she's, I know. So she's so cute. adorable. She's a baby. Yeah. I she's love just... her. She reminds me a lot of, like, the Shadow Man from Static Shock, though, because she just, like, she sh- literally shapeshifts. It's so... Sometimes it's actually terrifying. Um, cause, like, it's weird she, when you own a black oh, cat. Man. Like, they're the best, yeah. honestly. They disappear. It's, and then it's just eyes. And it's just like, okay. Yeah. There are times <laughs> that Handsome just stares at me and makes unblinking eye contact. And yeah. he's the only cat I've ever met that it takes an immense amount of effort to get him to slow blink. 
Oh. You can slow bank yeah. as much as you want with him. And he's like, no. And he just literally, these giant eyes. Because you got to understand, Handsome is the runt of the litter. He I love this him. Tiny... He was my, when I met your cats, I was like, I'm he's obsessed so with him. You saw he him. Like, he's like, he's still like he's the friendliest. He's a skeleton wrapped he's in a this, shadow. He's like a total gentleman. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's like got very, very the personality of a dog. But he looks like <laughs> yeah. a fucking supermodel. He, yeah. will he do... is a little supermodel. Oh my God. But he just has this like tiny face with these giant bat ears yeah. and these giant eyes and he's just looking at me and I'm like Are you guys ready? Are you guys ready? Oh, hi! Hi, bud! <laughs> Why is this the saddest dog? I swear to God. I'm, I'm sure he's fine but he always has this look on his face. He's not sad. He's very manipulative. Yes. <laughs> yes. He does big. He has like button eyes. Like we have, we have a joke that when he blinks it's like boink. Boink. Yeah. <laughs> he has Disney dog eyes, but he's also like a human trapped in a dog's body. Like, look. When you said he's, he's not sad, he's manipulative. It just made me think of Drake. <laughs> oh, hello. Yeah. I. Oh my god, it's so funny because I'm just thinking about too, like the fucking how cats are manipulative. That they were like, yeah, we evolved to meow and make sound on the same frequency as a baby crying because yeah. that gets your fucking attention, humans. Yeah. It's like. Yeah. That's they don't even. Do that, that is horrifying. That is the scariest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. <laughs> so this dog is mostly a cat, though. So then you understand how it is. <laughs> yes, I do because I have a fucking cat that's a dog. My God, and then fucking Jinx is just a gremlin. <laughs> God. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for tuning in for another episode of When God Was Queer. It's such a pleasure for us to do this show and to hear from you guys what you think about it. So if you'd like to share your thoughts with us, you can hit us up at whengodwasqueer at gmail.com, at whengodwasqueer on TikTok and IG, or you can send us a voice note, which you can leave at anchor.fm slash whengodwasqueer. Uh, other than that, it's time for yeah, our cacophony of chaos. I feel like we need to somehow incorporate dogs howling. I literally was thinking I was absolutely oh! intent on howling. 100% <laughs> yeah. was intent on howling. All right, here we go. Okay, the two of you howl and I'll say the words. You ready? Thanks. All right. Yeah, awesome. Good, because we don't know the words anyway. Yeah. <laughs> 19 episodes, yeah. Be gay. <laughs> Do crime. <laughs> the gods are always watching. <laughs> It was perfect. It was perfect. Okay, bye. 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 <laughs>